everyone. Welcome to So Good Sisterhood. I'm your host, Julie Mullins, and my husband Todd and I pastor Christ Fellowship Church together. The So Good Sisterhood is a podcast that is all about investing in every girl from every generation. It's this opportunity to have relevant conversations every single month about living intentionally, leading confidently, and loving generously. And hopefully it will leave you saying, that was so good. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the So Good Podcast. We are so glad that you're jumping on today. Hey, I just want to take a minute to thank you for listening and supporting the podcast and spreading the word. We love hearing from you. So make sure that you leave a comment and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes and updates. Share a podcast with a friend because this season, we're going to have some really great giveaways and lots of bonus content. So you can follow us on Instagram at CF Sisterhood. And while you're at it, you can follow me at, at Julie D. Mullins because we've got lots of fun stuff planned over the next couple of months together. So this series of episodes is entitled Follow the Leader. It's more than a game. It's a difference maker because who you follow and how you lead, who is following you will be the difference maker between having relationships that just survive and having relationships that thrive. It's going to be the difference maker in whether or not you end up on the path pathway to your purpose or on a winding road of confusion. Who you follow matters. So today we're in part two of my conversation with my good friend, Donna Pisani. It's all about the courage and confidence that we can have as women who lead in our career, in our family, and in our church. So if you missed the last episode, part one, make sure that you go back and listen. And in this two-part episode, we talk about the difference between being an entitled leader or being an entrusted leader. I think we know which one that we want to be. We also jump into some of the controversial passages of scripture that have caused confusion in the church and even in our culture when it comes to women leading in the church and the value that Jesus places on women. And one of my favorite features of this season is that I really believe that our greatest growth as leaders comes when we make mistakes and how we overcome those mistakes. And I believe that you can either learn from your mistakes or from your mentors. But the greatest learning sometimes is when we get to learn from our mentors' mistakes. So every episode, we're going to be sharing some mistakes that we've made as leaders so that you don't have to make the same mistakes that we made. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the So Good Podcast. As I promised in our last episode, we are continuing our conversation with my good friend, Donna Pisani, and I can't wait to jump in where we left off. Donna and her husband, Dennis, served as missionaries and senior pastors for over 40 years, and they're now using their 40 years of marriage, ministry, and life experience to coach and encourage leaders and pastors. She's also a regular guest on the Better Together series on TV. And she speaks on platforms all around the world, but I'm so grateful that today she is with us. Welcome back to the podcast, Donna. Thanks, Julie. And again, I am so grateful and so honored and love you so much because mm-hmm. you are an incredible leader, really. I mean, we were just talking about how much I've been inspired by your leadership 
and your humility and your encouragement. It's just been a huge gift, not just to me, but to thousands of other people. So thank, thank you. you. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah. that's it's, why I had you on because I was having a bad day. So I just needed <laughs> someone to like just speak life over me. So thank you for that. Yeah. I appreciate it. No. Um, but seriously, last time we were together, the conversation was so powerful. You know, we, we talked about um, the fact that Jesus was actually the greatest champion of women that ever lived, right? And then we also talked about as women that we can choose the way that we lead. We can choose to lead from a place that is entitled or we can choose to lead from a place that's entrusted, entitled or entrusted. I love this. And I I love this conversation because I really believe that God's word um, and our theology is actually the best confidence builder that we yeah, can have so in our leadership. And I just want to I, I want to qualify this a little bit because just so everyone understands clearly that leadership is not about a title. Yes. It's not about what title we carry. Leadership is about influence. And if you are raising a family, if you are working in the marketplace, if, if you are volunteering anywhere, you are a leader. You have more influence yeah. than you know that you have. And you don't have to have a title to be a leader. I think back and I look back at my own leadership journey and the seasons that I grew the most in my leadership were actually untitled seasons. Those seasons where I didn't have a title or maybe I had a title or a job that I didn't even ask for. But you know, when I think about this whole um, idea that we've been talking about, the the theology of women in the Bible, and I also want to put it out there that our, our theology is for to build our confidence but it's not for combat. So good, That we're not called to use or to weaponize our theology to prove our point, right? It is about us stepping into the calling that God's placed on our lives with confidence, right? But we also understand that not everyone is going to agree, you know, wholeheartedly with our theology. But what we're talking about today, it's not about what you can and can't do in the church. This is really about instilling and imparting confidence into your leadership leadership wherever you're leading. And so as we jump into that conversation, I just kind of wanted to to set the tone, you know, as, as we jump into this conversation. But I'm going to I'm going to go right I'm going to go right there because in this last episode you talked about Jesus and and that he was pro women. You talked about the woman at the well and and Mary Magdalene and just yeah. how, you know, how important they were in the gospel story. But if we read on in the New Testament, those are the gospels. We read on in the New Testament and we get to some of Paul's writings, right? Um, And we get to to these writings on the surface. These scriptures can kind of seem like they contradict what Jesus said. We read things like in Timothy that that women should be silent in the church, right? Or we we read in Titus that it was the woman that was deceived, not the man. And so on on the surface, these scriptures feel controversial. But do you think that, um, that scripture actually contradicts itself? Is Paul saying something totally different than Jesus said when it comes to women? Isn't it funny? I think um, sometimes we just ignore the tension places in the scripture. So if it doesn't make sense, it's like a lot of times we just put it on a shelf and we'll say, well, we'll figure that out later. Mm-hmm. When I think it's actually an invitation for mm-hmm. us to dig into it a little bit more and study it a little bit more. And again, just segueing off what you said, I love how you said theology is not for combat. Mm-hmm. It's for confidence. I think in, in a world that we're in right now, it's really important that we get that. And 
I think what we're talking about, again, we're not trying to convince anybody that this is the way to go. We are just creating an invitation. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it stirs a hunger in you to study it out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about the tribe of Manassas in the Old Testament and how that was the only tribe that was able to get a double portion because Mm -hmm. the men fought the battle on one side of the river and the women, daughters of Zelophehad, went and actually had a law change so that they could walk into their inheritance. And I think that's the power of when men and women Mm -hmm. realize that they're on the same team. It's not one over the other. Can we just, and honestly, the amount of work right now and the harvest right now, we need all hands on deck. And it's because it's not about us. Mm -hmm. It's really about the kingdom of God. It's about Jesus. And it's about really just embracing the cross. So yes, there is a bit of tension in the New Testament. So I think you have to, when you're looking at the scriptures, I think it's important that we break it into three categories. We have to consider, is the scripture descriptive? Like, is it describing what women should be doing? Is it instructive? Is it instructing women what to do? Or is it correcting? Mm-hmm. And I, I would like us to think that perhaps some of the scriptures that appear to be corrective really weren't corrective. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, it's really, really important that we understand the context. Context is everything. So for instance, if I said to you, Julie, I'm giving up eating chocolate for a month, period. You would never hear that from me, by the way. <laughs> the second thing is, maybe I would say it like this, I'm giving up, comma, eating chocolate for a month. Well, where you put the punctuation <laughs> yeah. and the con- content, I mean, definitely, would you be sentence number one or sentence number two? Um, Are I you going to be number one. Yeah. yeah. You're giving up chocolate for a month? Right. I might, but you know, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not giving up. So <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Right. So oh, good point. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, I'm not, I'm not giving up, but I am eating chocolate. <laughs> so there you go. But it's where you put the punctuation, and it's also context that means everything. So if we look at descriptive verses about women throughout the scriptures, Paul was probably one of the biggest proponents and cheerleaders of yeah. women. And he flipped the culture that was patriarchal or mm-hmm. very male-dominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, he flipped it on its head. So just looking at Romans 16, Paul mentions 29 co-workers. Wow. And of those 29 co-workers, 10 are women wow. that he gives a shout out to. I mean, that's significant in a culture Huge. where women had no voice. Like you just look at Romans 16 verses one and two, Phoebe is mentioned, which is just like, I didn't even know who Phoebe was until I, I was looking at Romans 16. I was like, wait a minute, who is this woman? Well, he he termed her with the, the term diakonos. My Greek is like, first of all, I am not a biblical scholar. I'm just going to tell you what I know. That may not be how you say it, but it was the same term that Paul uses to describe himself and Apollos, who were learned wow. teachers. So mm-hmm. she was a patron. So she actually supported Paul's ministry, which right. means she had some sort of a business. She mm-hmm. had a means to support him. But Paul tells the Roman church to honor her, which means that Phoebe went from her hometown, carried a letter to the Roman church. I mean, it was that was many days journey. Yeah. She was a female by herself. It was pretty courageous of her to do that. Not only when she gets to Rome, very few people know how to read. So she would be the one who's reading this letter to the Roman church. Mm-hmm. She would be the one answering the questions. She would, and many times they would act out the scripture. So she was the one who would be considered like an expert of what Paul was writing to. Them. Well, we read the book of Romans now in our Bible and we would never understand that we have, we're standing on Phoebe's shoulders. Yeah. The reason why we have that letter is because mm-hmm. Phoebe was courageous enough to walk it out. Okay. Then you look at Priscilla and Aquila. They're also mentioned. They're mentioned, seven, Paul mentions their names seven times. They were good friends of his. They were tent makers together together. 
Um, but I, and I want you to pay attention to this because we'll visit this later, but um, Priscilla and Aquila helped Paul plant the church in Corinth and Ephesus. It's important to note that. Priscilla often is mentioned first, so some theologians believe that usually the prominent person or the person who was the, the voice of that, that relationship would be mentioned first. Generally, it was a male that was mentioned first. Priscilla and Aquila, which means she may have been the preacher in the family. And not only that, he mentions that Priscilla and Aquila taught the learned Mm -hmm. Apollos the scriptures. So that that means he's giving description about a woman, a woman in a culture where women's voices. Mm -hmm. So then you continue on, Junia. Junia's another Mm -hmm. one mentioned in Romans 16. Maybe you never thought about her name before. Paul calls Junia and her husband Adronicus apostles, and he doesn't just call them apostles. He said they were apostles above apostles. I mean, they were like some of the greatest apostles. Wow. He he was in prison with the two of them, mm-hmm. so he had gotten to know them pretty well. So Junia was a jailbird who was an <laughs> apostle who, I mean, we stand on her shoulders. Wow. And then Lydia. Lydia was an, a very wealthy woman. She was the seller of purple, purple... I don't particularly love purple, but purple <laughs> purple was pretty popular. It was often in the priest's clothing. But, right? Well, Do you I, like purple? I, I don't know Is if I should go purple. <laughs> Is that your favorite color? I, no, I, I have a, a, a certain um, dislike for purple. Okay, same. We, we, ha- we digress. But, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but if you ever notice, any sisterhood palette will not, you know, at any event, we will not have the color purple. <laughs> And there was this very specific reason about Why? this. Why? It's because Todd had this girlfriend before me that really loved purple, and she was very no. passionate about purple. So, I, I, you know, I had to confess oh, that's right. Friend. But I kind of went, you know, the, yeah. the total other direction. But I have to say, I want to say that I've actually been where Lydia, where Lydia actually, um, oh, in Philippi. Okay. So I've been to Philippi, and I actually like bought something from there, and the purple, the color purple, is actually more. Of a scarlet magenta. Okay, I did. So hear it's this. really not the purple that okay. we don't like. And I, I, I felt so affirmed okay. when I saw that um, <laughs> at the, you know, at, at Philippi when I bought a beautiful cloth that would have been dyed the color that Lydia made. Okay. So Go Lydia. It is, it's magenta yeah. and like more of a, a reddish. Okay, tone. that makes so that yeah. makes me feel better about I, it, her too. It really does. I knew, I, I knew. So, but I feel bad. I don't. No, I don't, no, I don't no, know if we're going to no. cut this from the podcast. <laughs> or if we're going to keep it. But okay, so Lydia, Lydia, back to Lydia. So she yes. was very wealthy because a thimble full of that purple dye cost mm. ninety thousand dollars in our current culture. Mm. So she was very wealthy. So Paul goes um, to her her town, um, and it, it's fascinating because she. He, he goes first to her little area. She's down by the river with a bunch of other women. She's the first convert to Christianity in Philippi, which means that her conversion opened the door for all of Europe to have Christianity. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty significant. Huge. She was not only a benefactor of mm-hmm. his ministry, but she was over that house church in yeah. her home. Mm-hmm. That's a woman. And so you look at these names. I want to mention their names because I think it's important we stand on their shoulders. And whether that was a woman at the, the Samaritan woman, whether that was Mary, whether that was any of these names who are mentioned, I think it's important that we mention them because they have been lost in history. Yeah. So if you look at them as descriptive, Paul talks, and these are just a few of the names. We don't have time for all of them. Then we have to wrestle with some of the verses that want to silence women that you just mentioned. And um, I think it's really important that we re-look at this. So if we look at um, 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12, I'm just going to read it real quick because 
you know, just in case you don't know what they say, but a woman should learn in quietness. Um, some translation says, let a woman learn in silence. Um, I have, I've always had a hard time with that scripture because I, yeah. I have a hard time being silent, obviously, <laughs> and in full submission. I don't permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. So he says it twice, you know, she must be quiet. So again, context is everything. So we have to remember that all of the New Testament, aside from the Gospels, were letters written to churches right. that were experiencing issues. Yeah. Like I remember a friend saying to me, I wish I had, I want to go back to the New Testament church. The church. I was, really? Do you know the issues? Like read the New Testament. Right. That's what they were dealing with. Oh, it was with. crazy stuff going on yeah. in Corinthians, yeah. right? So, yeah. But we're in Timothy. Go ahead. I bet they were, yeah. yes, wearing purple. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, on to this. So the context is everything. So we have to remember the letters were written to churches with unique problems and issues. Um, so this first and second Timothy were written to Timothy, who was Paul's spiritual son, who was pastoring the church in Ephesus. Okay, do you remember who were some of the founders of the church of Ephesus? Priscilla and Aquila. Right. So if... Paul mentions Priscilla's name seven times and is cheering her on for her um, contribution to the, New to, to the New Testament church. Why would he then write, but she has to be silent? It doesn't make sense. So you have right. to wrestle with that a bit. Um, it's hard to believe this. Also, if we're going to take this specific scripture, verses 11 and 12, literal, then we should take the previous scriptures that talk about the way women dress, literal mm -hmm. as well. So that means if you're wearing anything that costs more than Target, you should mm -hmm. take it off immediately uh -huh. because <laughs> that would be the literal translation. Right. Don't wear costly apparel. Right. So none of us are going to do that, but we take one verse and make it literal and the rest we just kind of ignore. Um, so then we have to we you know just kind of have to look at all of it. So for centuries, the the term quiet or in quietness is this um, Greek word kusha. I know I'm not saying it correctly. You'll see it in the show notes if you need that specifically. But for centuries, it was mistranslated as the word silent. A more accurate translation is quietly or in quietness. Some translations, modern translations actually say that. But Paul continues that thought later when he writes to the church and he says he wants all of us to live peaceful, quiet lives. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't telling us to be quiet. He was just like, have a quiet spirit. Don't yeah. be somebody who's loud and, and like overbearing. So then the, the fact that we, one thing that keeps being overlooked, I think by previous theological views is that he says, if a, a woman should learn, well, that culture, women weren't allowed to learn. Right. So when, even if you go back to Martha and Mary in that story, which we all love, and mm -hmm. you're either a Martha or you're a Mary, but I would propose you're both mm -hmm. because Jesus was saying, Mary has chosen the better part. He was, it was groundbreaking. Jesus was saying, the better part is, I want to make sure men and women are actually learning the gospel. Right. I want to make sure that they're sitting at my feet, that they're learning me and actually being transformed, not just information, but transformation. He wasn't telling women to, to be quiet. He was, first of all, it was groundbreaking. Women could right. learn. So that, that kind of flips this on, mm -hmm. on its head too. And then in several of these verses, in 1 Timothy 2, verses 8 through 10, it's a plural form. I want men everywhere to pray. I want women to dress a certain way. That's plural. But then when he gets to verses 11 and 12, it's singular. So a woman, singular woman, should learn. So it may suggest that Paul's writing to Timothy. Timothy said, Paul, there's this woman, she's driving me nuts. And Paul's like, this woman, <laughs> this is how you're gonna deal with her. This was a specific problem to this church. In fact, N.T. Wright suggests, I love N.T. Wright, suggests that this was, this because this church was in Ephesus, there were women 
coming out of Diana worship because one of the wonders of the world was the temple to Diana, and that was an all-woman um, cult. cult. Yeah. So mm-hmm. those women coming out didn't know how to work with men. They were really strong, belligerent women. They didn't know how to submit to authority. Right. And so Paul is probably writing to these new converts. In fact, the message transliteration tells us that these were new converts mm-hmm. that Paul was teaching Timothy how to deal with. So then you continue on, and he says, I don't want women to have or assume authority over a man. Well, for years, that's been mistranslated, like women can't have authority. But the word is authentane. And honestly, the word is only used once in the New Testament. What it literally means is don't be domineering or aggressive. Wow. Well, mm-hmm. who in the world wants a Karen, right? <laughs> I don't want to be a Karen. You don't want it. You're not a Karen. It's my biggest fear. I tell my kids, tell me if I'm being a Karen, <laughs> which if you don't know what a Karen is, it's a middle-aged woman who is entitled. <laughs> so, Domineering and aggressive. And aggressive, so, exactly. Yeah. She wants her Starbucks the way she wants it. So, um, but the maybe other I, thing, <laughs> maybe I am too. I don't know. Lord have mercy. Cut no, that. you're not Cut a Karen. It. You're Cut not. It. So back to this authentane, it is only used once in the Bible. When there is a word that's only used once in the Bible, it's called a hapax legomen. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing. Anybody who's a theological scholar is going to be like, she just totally butchered that word. I'm sure I did. But what that means is you can't build theology or doctrine around a word that's only used once. We would never do that with any other doctrine or theological Mm -hmm. view. Why are we doing that with women? Why? Because from the very beginning of time, we have an enemy. That's right. That understands the power of a woman who's submitted to God, submitted to leadership, who has a heart that's not entitled, but entrusted, Mm -hmm. and actually wants to serve God with her whole heart on a team with another gender, men, Mm -hmm. that wants to do it together. Well, then she's dangerous. Mm -hmm. She's dangerous to hell. And so we go back to Genesis where the Bible tells us that the curse that came, you know, Right? Right. She would birth mm-hmm. a, a, the seed, which would be Jesus, obviously, mm-hmm. right? So, because, you know, right. throughout time, mm-hmm. so we have been a part of this lineage of seeing the enemy destroyed. So, why wouldn't right. the enemy try to silence women? Right. Why wouldn't he try to devalue? Why wouldn't mm-hmm. he try to put women in a box? Right. And if you, if you walk with the right posture, then you're able to see God actually wants to use you in significant mm-hmm. ways. And you don't have to shy away from using the authority that's been given you mm-hmm. as long as you're submitted to authority. Right, yeah. right. Walking so. in authority, under authority. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's, it's so good. I, I love everything you've said. I think that is so good, Donna, because if the enemy can rob us of our calling and our courage and our confidence, then he can rob us of our voice. Yes. Acts chapter 2 says it, that these are the days that he's pouring out his spirit and that his sons and daughters are going to prophesy, yes. right? And so if he can silence you, yeah. he silences, the, if the enemy can silence you as a leader, then he, can, he, he silences the voice of God going out over your generation. And so I think this is just so important. And, and what we're talking about here, we're not just talking about you know, leading on a church staff or talking about leading on, you know, in, just in the church, because all of us, our first calling is that when we step into a relationship with Jesus, our first and foremost calling is to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus yes. that actually that actually pours into others so that we can inspire and equip them to follow Jesus. Yes. So we're disciples making disciples. Yeah. And so this is our first calling and so but this is this whole conversation is about building confidence into 
God's daughters so yeah. they can walk in confidence in their calling. And, you know, um, and we're going to be putting some resources in the show notes. We actually have kind of our theological, we call it a white paper. It's really just a paper that really outlines some of these controversial scriptures mm-hmm. um, that you can unpack. And again, this isn't about convincing. It's just about inviting to a conversation. Yeah. It's about, I loved what you said earlier when you said, when there's tension in scripture, it's an invitation. Yeah. And so it's an invitation for us to dig into scripture on our own and unpack what, what God says about us. So yeah. um, so that will also be in the show notes. But um, I love, was there anything you wanted to add? So Paul was one of the biggest proponents of men and women functioning together. I think he understood the task in front of him um, to present the gospel to the the known world at that time. And in fact, one of the scriptures I think is so powerful, there's neither Jew nor Greek. This is in Galatians 3, verse 28. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And it was a message that continued from his lips the whole time mm-hmm. he was in ministry. I mean, he who was like a, in the rabbinical school, right? He was... He grew up in a very patriarchal community, right. and yet when he started re- hearing the teachings of the apostles, I mean, and then what God was showing him, he shifted. In fact, when we look in the end of Ephesians 5, around verse 21 to the Ephesians 6, it would be what he would term the house code, mm-hmm. because in that culture, there were house codes of, right. there was Roman house codes, Greek house codes, but, but Paul rewrote them for the Christian follower because, mm-hmm. and honestly, if we look at those, it's like wives submit to your husbands, children obey your parents, and then it goes into like how a slave should, you know, in that culture, how they should operate. But honestly, Paul was shifting the culture where it looks almost like it's oppressive. It wasn't oppressive. Mm-hmm. He was giving voice and value to those that were the most undervalued. Right. And he's starts that whole portion of scripture out with, I think if we, this is this has been like the code that I live by, and I think it's really important, and, and it's in Galatians 5, 21, he says, submit to one another mm. as unto the Lord. Right. And I think that's the key to anything mm-hmm. what we do. So true. Submission is probably one of the most difficult muscles to build, mm-hmm. but one of the most profound and powerful ones that we can have in our life. Mm-hmm. So Paul starts the whole house codes about what the right. house should look like with submit to one another. And then mm-hmm. a little bit further on, he talks about like, don't be drunk with wine. He's like, but be filled with the spirit. Well, what I think and what Gordon Fee believes is that Paul was saying, you, there's no way possible that you can submit to somebody else without Christ in your life, without the Holy Spirit Spirit. empowering you Mm -hmm. to do that. So all of this to say that I think um, if what anything you get out of this whole teaching of these two two podcasts is that at the end of the day is, are you able to submit and build that muscle of submission? I Mm -hmm. think that's huge. That's so good. And and that's what he said. He said, you know, that again, this is all about us being, you know, submitted to God first, our first calling. But then how do we live our faith out? How do we, you know, how do we live out loving the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? We, We do that by submitting and having that Christ-like spirit in our relationships. Yeah. That's where that's where it all plays out and it does require the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So yeah. this is it's so good. So again, a little disclaimer talking about submission. Um, we're not trying to convince you about this again. This whole is just inviting you into a discussion and we are aware of the fact that in the name of submission there's been many abuses in in the church realm and every realm. So this isn't we're not talking about unhealthy spaces. 
Um, but it is a biblical term. And so if you, I think Julie and I probably would say the same thing, if you have been affected by unhealthy leadership or toxic cultures, I think it's really important that you go to a trusted leader and talk to them about it or go to counseling to be healed because yeah. it is a biblical principle and it is mm-hmm. part of our transformation. Also, let's be careful what the culture calls like we're not defining submission by what the outside culture defines submission, but it's a, is a biblical principle. Yeah, I think this is so important because you mentioned earlier that this could be an easy teaching to steer away from because there's tension in yes. it, but it's really an invitation, and it's an invitation for you to to jump into the Word of God and find out what the true meaning is because the true meaning is beautiful, and God would never call you to do anything that would be damaging to you or or yes. damaging to any one in your family. And again, this kind of goes back to the fact that, you know, what we're talking about is we can have confidence as yeah. God's daughters, but we also need to walk in humility. Yeah, it's a posture. So good. It's a yeah. posture, confident humility. So yeah. I love this. And you know, I I love what you said earlier um, as you were talking about all of the women that um, that Paul actually gave a shout out to. And you talked about the fact that we, as women today, we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before before yes. us. And they're they're worthy scriptures to unpack. But I, I, I also think that, you know, we also not only stand on the shoulders of the women that went before us in Bible times, but all of us, uh, right. if we're leading anywhere, we're standing on somebody else's shoulders. And so yeah. I kind of want to turn a corner here because yep. um, I, I, I love what you said that we need to honor those on those who we stand on the shoulders of. And so I think that um, that we're not supposed to just honor the biblical examples, but also honoring those mm. women that have paved the way for us. And, and I think honor is just one of those um, one of those attributes and biblical qualities that has really gotten lost in our culture. But none of us got where we are today on our own. So, um, st- you know, we, we all stand on strong women's shoulders. I think about my mom who just really... From a very early age, she instilled in me that there was absolutely nothing mm. that I could not do, right? As as a woman, that yeah. that I was not at a deficit, I was not less than, but but whatever I wanted to do, that I would be able to step into it, and and she paved the way, you know, and um and then I think about my mother in law who just just serves so beautifully, Donna Mullins, you know, as the founder of our church, and and. I know that that I would not be where I am today without her mentorship and without her, you know, w- without her wisdom. And so I I think about this, and I and I think that again because honor has just been so lost in our culture. What are what are some ways mm-hmm. that that you've seen that that we can honor the women that have gone before us? Yeah, it's really good, Julie. Actually, I honor you because mm-hmm. you have pine. I don't know um, if your girls or even even the people listening to the podcast recognize how much you've pioneered. Mm. And I think it's, so I honor you because you really, it's very rare to find in our culture, I think we're going to see more of it in the days to come, husbands and wives Mm -hmm. leading together. Um, What I honor in you is um, the fact that you've found your lane and you're leading in your lane Mm -hmm. and Pastor Todd's leading in his lane, but you're leading together. And then Mm -hmm. you've equipped a whole church of people to lead in their lane. And I think that's significant. Mm -hmm. I think think it's important to take a minute to see the women around us, whether they're a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. Like my mom stayed at home. I also honor my mom. I mean, she was... 
she was amazing. Mm -hmm. She stayed at home for years, then she was a nurse. So I'm grateful for that. We've had a lot of women who have gone before us, um, me in ministry and encouraged me. But I think it's take a minute, take a minute and actually maybe make a list of the women around you that you maybe like haven't that. seen lately mm -hmm. or you had history with them. And maybe like one way to honor them is just write them a little note that says, thank mm -hmm. you, text them or yeah. an email or send them a little card. Because um, I think gratitude is huge. It reminds us about what we've been given. And there are women that have paid. I mean, we're in a, a sweet spot right now and in 20 years it'll be even sweeter. Mm -hmm. But 20 years ago behind us, there were women that were paying a price that... Yeah that we don't realize. So I think it's important so to true. say thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love yeah. that. I also think another way of honoring, you know, those who have gone before us is really to honor their wisdom. Yeah. And, so you know, good. a lot a lot of women, they don't even know the, the containers of wisdom that they are. Yes. They're like, you know, like you... You press in and they explode with this yeah. wisdom, but sometimes they just need to be prompted. They need they need somebody to ask the question. Yeah. And I think that there are women, you know, that are in their golden years who have had a lot of life. And I think that you know we honor them when we ask questions. I think that's huge. Mm -hmm. Jesus asked over three hundred questions. Love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he answered. Obviously, he answered questions, but a lot of times he answered, you know, with things we had we're still wrestling with, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think the posture that Jesus lived was, let me ask you questions. Mm -hmm. Not he didn't need the answer. He he already had the answer, but it helped position that whoever he was asking to pay attention to where they were. But for me, I, I think that's huge, Julie. I can I can go into a conversation by telling somebody everything I know. Mm. Or I can go into a conversation asking them questions, whether they're younger than me or whether they right. paid a price. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important. I think our world is too small if we're just intent on telling people what we know oh, rather than asking them. But you're right. I, that's huge. I don't think we ask. An, I don't ask enough questions. Wow. Yeah. That, that's so powerful. I love that. You're right. The world is too small if... All we know is what we know. Yeah. And so leaning in and asking questions from people who've, who have been down the road yeah. a little bit further than yeah. we have is going to, it's not just going to honor them, but it's going to benefit us, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what honor does. And so I want to just kind of continue down this lane of, um, of this whole idea of honoring those whose shoulders we stand on. But then I also started thinking about, you know, sometimes as leaders, we need to look back. Mm. And there, there, there might be some people that they might need a little lift, right, onto our shoulders. So I mean, I, I'm, the picture I'm getting right now is, you know, a cheerleading stunt, right? When the cheerleader that's getting on the shoulder, sometimes you need a spot as they're learning how to jump on someone else's shoulders. And so I, I was thinking about this. I thought, you know, what can we do to invest in the generation coming behind mm. us? Generation, you know, that are younger than us, but also yeah. maybe just spiritually younger than us, to give them a lift onto our shoulders? What can we do to invest, to be able to you know, lead them to where God wants to take them? Yeah, I think, I think you're amazing at this. Um, and so just following from what you do, um, I think encouragement is huge. Mm -hmm. And you know, we've talked about this before, about how Barnabas actually opened the door yeah. for Paul. It's mm -hmm. just a significant, are we, I think, we, let's pay attention if we are further along are we holding the door open or are we holding it closed? Wow. And I think confidence, like I, I'm so excited when young leaders go way further than I am. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited when they have, when they're accomplishing more than, like even accomplishing things I had hoped to accomplish but never got to accomplish. That makes me happy. And I think, I think for, it could be male or females. I mean, at the end of the day, it's our ego 
We have to let go of our ego and cheer somebody else on right. and be happy when they go further mm-hmm. than we do. So, I mean, you can call it ego, you can call it insecure. We go back to the insecure thing, but I think it's important. And I think the other piece of that is, so I either dealt with and wrestled insecurity or then I dealt with and, so we talk about insecurity or confidence. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I, I wrestled with is control. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Or release. And so I'm a recovering control freak. Some <laughs> days better than others. It depends on the situation. But when you're dealing with insecurity, you have a hard time cheering somebody else. And when you have control issues, you have a hard time cheering somebody else on because yeah. they may not do it the way you were going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's so true. So yeah. that's that's so good. It does go back to we need to deal with our insecurities. That's We've got to yeah. take, we can't give what we don't have. But um, I think you said that confidence opens the door, yeah. right? Confidence, we're confident in who God says we are. We're confident in God's word and what God's word yeah. says about us. It, it's going to open the door for other people. You know, the other thing I think about um, when we talk about giving someone a, a lift onto our shoulders, I, I think about the fact that sometimes as women in leadership, because, you know, again, this kind of, we're just a generation, you yeah. know, into this thing about women having opportunities to lead in the workplace and in the church. But I think sometimes as women, we can have the mindset that there's there's just not that many opportunities, so I've got to get what's mine. Mm-hmm. We can have a scarcity mindset oh, instead so of a generous mindset and think that there's only a certain amount of opportunities available. And so if I make a way for somebody else, that I might lose my spot. And I think this is so... Mm. unscriptural <laughs> you know and again this is this is so unbiblical that yeah. that god always has this generous it's always ab- above beyond anything we can hope dream or imagine right mm-hmm. that that he has future and a hope for us beyond yes. what we can even think and so i think that sometimes we hold on to opportunities instead of giving them away and i think as leaders as mm-hmm. women that we need to just get better at this yeah. and just be super generous with opportunity, super generous with our encouragement, super generous with, you know, with opening the door for others. And I started thinking about the scripture in Proverbs 11, 24, it says the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And so when you hold on, it's just a spiritual principle. When you hold on to what you think is yours, your world is going to get small. Mm -hmm. Your opportunities are going to lessen. But when you are generous and you're open-handed, then your world just gets larger and larger. And so um, I just think this is that generosity is huge. Encouragement is huge. And then I think, too, that championing the choices that other women make. So good, Julie. You know, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether, you know, decide to, go back to work, whether, you know, whatever the choices are that our sisters make, that we will be the biggest champion of their choices. And so that we would just kind of stand, stand alongside shoulder to shoulder and, um, and not begrudge someone for not making the same decisions that we do. Homeschool, public school, private school, champion each other, right? And be, be the, be the biggest encourager that you can be. Give someone courage. Again, those things are so important. You know, I I have loved this conversation, but again, we're 
drawing to the end, which I'm a little <laughs> bit sad, but on every at the end of every one of our podcasts, we're going to be asking a question because as I've said before, we can learn from our mistakes or our mentors, but better yet, let's learn from our mentors' mistakes, right? <laughs> so since you've been on the podcast twice, you have to share two of them. So what has been your biggest mistake, your second biggest, because I think you shared your first yeah. in the first episode, what's been your biggest mistake in leadership that we can learn from? I, I have way more than two mistakes <laughs> to learn from. For me, my biggest mistakes are usually connected when I lean on my own understanding. Mm. And when I lean on my own understanding, whether you know about Enneagram or not, I'm like a seven, which I'm an th- enthusiast, but I'm also an eight. I like to be in charge. So when I'm in charge, my opinion is correct. Mm. So you can give your opinion. I'm more than happy to hear it, but mine is correct. <laughs> so, um, so I just love being in control. Mm-hmm. Now, there are obviously there are things that you do need to be in control of. You need right. to be in control of the disciplines of your mm-hmm. life, and mm-hmm. if you have small children, you mm-hmm. need to be in control of them. Mm-hmm. And but when I think too often, I don't know the line of when I'm not supposed to be mm-hmm. in control and when I'm supposed to release control to God. And often it's when I don't understand. So I love this, um, just recently, just illuminated to me that um, when John was at the end, uh, when they were at the Last Supper, Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. And um, I love how John writes about that supper in the third person. So he says, there was one leaning on the breast of Jesus yeah. who was the, mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. most loved. Isn't that funny? It's yeah. kinda, you wonder like when he reflected on that later in his life, like, why did you go to third person right there? <laughs> like that's, it's so, because I, for years I didn't know John was writing that about himself. But I love, John had become an influencer at this mm-hmm. point. He was a businessman. He could have, he was a leader. He could have described himself in any way. He could have said, I'm a leader, I'm an influencer, I've got a large platform now. That's what I've been waiting for my whole life. No, what did John self-describe him as, self as? A leaner. Mm. And I just think for me, um, that is, that's not my natural, yeah. inc- that's not my natural posture. In fact, David said, I incline my heart. That means um, I have to daily incline. I have to daily lean. I have to pay attention to what I'm leaning on. And if I'm not careful, I am doing what, what the proverb says is I'm leaning on my own understanding. Mm-hmm. So my biggest issue is control. And control, the problem with control mm-hmm. is that um, it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and when I control everything, then I'm not empowering anybody else. I, I can be in control, but then nothing grows when I'm right. in control. Right. And then I can't empower anybody mm-hmm. else. So um, I'm reminded of this last scripture, and we, you know, um, when Peter. Do you remember when Peter was walking? Like, so Peter has the big answer. Jesus says, "Who is it? Everybody say I am." And he says, "You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God." And Jesus, is like, you did it. Yeah. Amen. A like, plus. Yeah. A yeah. plus. You won the prize. And so Peter's walking around like Peter's like, I, I did it. So then Jesus pulls the disciples aside, and the next few minutes tells him he's going to the cross. Then Peter pulls Jesus aside now with this new information that he's so great, and he says, Oh no, no, you don't have to go to the cross. And Jesus responds to Peter and he says, Get behind me, Satan. How fun is that, right? Yeah, I know, you want right? feedback, and but why? Because Peter had gone from being a follower, Mm. right? What was the first call to Peter? Be a follower. But Peter had now become in front of Jesus. Because you can't tell somebody to get behind you if they're behind you. If they're following. Mm -hmm. But Jesus says, no, you're trying to lead with your own understanding. You're trying to control this situation. Mm -hmm. So I need you to get behind me because you're not believing what I'm saying. You're, You're in control. And so when I'm in my own understanding, I'm not listening to Jesus. So my biggest mistake is um, taking too long to answer a question. (laughs) (laughs) And 
in control. And I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's a daily thing. I yeah. have to daily pay attention. What am I leaning into? My own understanding or God's? Yeah. And I think being curious, asking people questions, asking people for feedback, all of that is important. I, as a leader, the biggest thing I need to be able to do is to listen to your feedback mm-hmm. and grow from it mm-hmm. and not lean on my own under, understanding, release control. So in a, did that make sense? Yes, so okay. good. Releasing control. Yeah. I, I, um, I used to not think I was a controlling person. But then I kept finding myself saying things like, I'm not being controlling, but... (laughs) Now, when you find yourself saying that about five times in one week, what does that mean? That means you're controlling. That's a little self-assessment for us out there. So, um, But so good. Donna, this has been so good. And thank you for joining me and for imparting your wisdom into the girls here in our sisterhood and really for all of our listeners. And I'm so excited for what God has for you in the days ahead. And so this has just been so powerful. And for all of our listeners, thank you guys for hanging with us. Make sure you check out the show notes for a lot of great resources. And there's a small group guide there. And make sure you tune in on the first and third Monday of every month for a brand new episode. And if this episode left you saying that was so good or that was den bueno, I'm getting... Bilingual, like I'm, I'm totally bilingual because I can say so good in Spanish. But if that left you saying ten bueno, then make sure that you like or subscribe and send the podcast to a friend that you know they need to hear what Donna had to say. So have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the So Good Sisterhood Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today for the So Good Sisterhood Podcast. For additional resources and show notes from today's episode, check out our website, SoGoodSisterhood.com. Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but He's always doing a new thing. What step are you going to take today so you don't miss out on it? If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend or just leave us a comment. We hope today's episode leaves you feeling so good.